Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And uh, join us on our Facebook page at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And we invite you to like the page. You'll get a little drop-down opportunity to win some uh, swag from Second Swing Golf and uh, hopefully some other uh, prizes as the uh, show goes on this year. So like the page on Facebook, and you can listen to uh, a number of uh, episodes there as well. Chris, how are you, man? Doing well, Mac. Yeah. Good to talk to you. As usual, your schedule is full. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. No, <laughs> no complaints. It is. It is. We laugh about it every year, though. You always say, Mac, I overbooked myself, and I always say I knew you were going to. <laughs> yeah. I heard something the other day that said, uh, if you want something to get get done, find somebody who is uh, uh, overbooked and they'll get it done for you. So <laughs> hopefully that's the case. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of a fun uh, win on the PGA Tour. A young guy got his first win and uh, was pretty emotional about it. Uh, uh, Sam Burns. Sam Burns, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk a little putting in the last segment of the show. And the reason Sam Burns won is because Keegan Bradley couldn't putt. Yeah, you know, Keegan, uh, his, his career was has definitely been in large part derailed because of uh, the non-anchoring putter, but uh, some, for some other reasons as well. But not, not being able to anchor the putter has definitely hurt him as well as some other guys. But, uh you know, great, great win for Sam Burns. Uh, kind of comes in an appropriate week in that he, uh, number one amateur in the world four years ago during the Walker Cup, and he was past Walker Cups this week. We're going to talk about that later in the show, but uh, he was passed over for a Walker Cup selection for um, kind of unknown reasons, but uh, uh, for him to win, uh, have his first PGA Tour win the week of the Walker Cup is uh, a bit appropriate. Yeah, we've had a couple Walker Cup guests. We've got John Harris coming up today, your conversation with John, uh, Minnesota legend John Harris yes. as far as the amateur world of golf. And uh, our uh, University of Minnesota gopher playing for the other side here this uh, this week. Yeah, we, we, we've got uh, Angus Flanagan playing uh, in Stuart Hagestad, who we've had on the show, uh, I think twice. Uh, we had him before he played in the Masters one year, and then uh, I think the week of the, the U.S. Amateur or Mid-Amateur a couple of years ago. But uh, he's playing. He'll make his third appearance in the Walker Cup. So uh, we've got a little Walker Cup connection going. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear. I'm looking forward to your interview with John. And, uh, yeah, Sam Burns, he's been had 54-hole leader a couple of different times, and uh, – this time holds on to win as uh, he was pretty steady and uh, uh, Keegan Bradley just a little bad luck. He got a little hot under the collar too on about the 13th or 14th hole and that didn't help his chances either. I don't think. <laughs> no, he he can he can run pretty hot at times and there are guys that uh, when they get upset it helps them and enhances their game and there are guys that. that uh, uh, it hurts their game, and, and Keegan, uh, I don't think uh, any time he gets, uh, you know, running hot, he's uh, he usually does not play too well after that. A big story in golf we uh, will probably be covering in the coming weeks. We'll just see how it goes. But according to uh, a report on Tuesday, the Telegraph reported that uh, the breakthrough uh, tour, uh, the, uh, that they're, they're going to try to pay players upwards of $30, 50000000 million dollars 
and it's all the top players. Dustin Johnson's been offered. Phil, Adam Scott, Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler, Justin Rose, and a lot more. This would be uh, a competitive tour to the PGA, Chris. Yeah, it's very interesting. The Premier League, it uh, first came to surface about a year ago. And um, just like a lot of things with COVID, kind of died down. But uh, back in the fall, uh, uh, there was more more talk about it. And it, there's a huge amount of Saudi money behind the Premier League. And the idea is... Um, have it, it, it's the the original concept was for team golf and they would have players like phil mickelson tiger woods dustin johnson um brooks kepka for instance they would be the captains of it of a team and um there would be you know basically it'd be the top 30 players in the world and um playing for you know, huge purses beyond what the, the majors and the world golf of, uh, events are. And the PGA Tour is, you know, really, P, both PGA Tour and European Tour have looked at this as, as huge competition, which it is, and something that would really affect and hurt both their tours, more so the, the European Tour than the PGA Tour. But, um, you know, the PGA Tour has taken a, a very strong stance on it and and told these players that if, if they do, you know, play in the Premier League, they're no longer PGA members, which uh, they wouldn't be able to play in PGA Tour events. And so it's kind of come come up again this week, and it, they, it looks like they've kind of revised it, and they're looking at 16 players and um, paying them a huge amount of money. It's, you know, just 30 to show, million. Yeah. To, just to show up, million, yeah. Just to show up. So, um <laughs> It'll 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 be it'll be fascinating to see what what comes in the next uh, you know over the course of the next couple months. But uh, uh, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, took a very strong stance this week in a, a player meeting prior to the uh, Wells Fargo Championship. So uh, it'll, I'm sure in the coming weeks we'll talk more about it. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, PGA, I mean, it's a fantastic organization, and but also. They've been all about making money, so uh, mm-hmm. that sounds like what this this new Premier League wants to do as well, make it and spend it, yeah, it sounds like. No, no question. <laughs> We've got uh, Jack Warrow from Grandview Lodge Golf Courses with us today and also John Harris. Those are coming up. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And also our Facebook page is Lakes, Woods, and Irons on Facebook. You can go there, like the page if you would, and you got a good opportunity to take home some golf swag. So if you just like the page and you can listen to uh, this uh, episode and other episodes there at Lakes, Woods, and Irons on Facebook. Special guest with us today, Director of Golf at Grandview, Jack Warrow is back again with us. Jack, welcome. Glad to have the golf season in swing again and good to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been an early start, so it's always always positive when we can get started early makes a huge difference in the golf season jack if if you can get going early because it seems like people just get in that mode and they end up playing a lot more golf don't they yeah absolutely obviously um, march weather was really good and uh the snow started melting so everyone you know they had the itch to play some golf right away and and to be able to get open was was terrific so early april which is nice course conditions jack came through pretty good i'm guessing yeah you know what um 
Mike Bonenstingle and Chad Bonenstingle are superintendents at the Pines and Preserve. Um, they do a great job. They have, uh, you know, they every year you come through the winter with your, your fingers crossed a little bit that you did everything properly to uh, set it up for success. And the snow went away, and everything looks really, really good. Our greens are, are honestly, they're fantastic. Um, I think they're rolling right around a, a 10, maybe a little bit faster. Um, and it's something that Mike has definitely uh, prided himself on and making sure we have some very, very smooth and quick greens. And, and so far, so good. It's been awesome. Pines and Preserve are awesome right now. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about tournament coming up, Jack. The Mark, uh, Mark Ron, I, long-time uh, long boss out there and uh, certainly uh, Fred's right-hand man for many years. And he's uh, retiring after a great career at Grandview. And there's a tournament called The Mark that we uh, uh, want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, the Mark tournament. So it used to be called the Fred Mark. Um, obviously, the year that uh, Fred passed away, we called it the Fred. Uh, and now Mark is retiring, and so we're, we're calling this one the Mark. And uh, Mark, obviously, 30-plus years here at Grandview. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal that he is retiring, and we want to uh, – he kind of wants to make this his going-out party. Uh, it's on Memorial Day Monday, which we always had it on that day in the past. It's a 27-hole shamble, which is a very fun event. You play from the best drive with your handicap, so you can see how good you really are when you have a, a little bit better game off the tee. And uh, it, it, the, the group absolutely loves it. It moves quickly, too. So it's you know a little under six hours. It's all 27 holes at the Pines. And we're going to have a DJ playing the entire time while they're out there, which is kind of different but fun. Uh, it's a 10 o'clock shotgun. And the entry fee is 250, and 100 of it is going directly to Mark's favorite charity, which is NERF. It's the Niswa Enhanced Reading Foundation, supports the Niswa School, which is which is terrific. Um, they also get a bunch of little extras, so they get a pair of uh, Adidas Tour 360 golf shoes. They get a logoed six-pack cooler with Mark's face on the beer inside of it being printed for us. So that's pretty fun. Um, they get logoed shot glass or a whiskey glass. They get a commemorative bag tag. We have, uh, we're actually literally giving title belts for trophies for the top three teams. Um, so, and then there's an outdoor party and barbecue afterwards at the deck at the Pines. So uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a great event. I think it's going to be a lot of fun kind of, you know, celebrating Mark and, and what he's done here. Uh, if you want to register for this, please let us know. Just contact us at the Pines. Phone number is 218-963-8755. We'd love to hear from you. It's four-man teams. The only one thing that you have to have that's required is a gin handicap for all players on the team. We want to make a very fair event, so a gin handicap is required. Jack, if, you, if, you, if, you can, if you're taking the best player's drive, can I play on your team? <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> I, I I I'm glad you think that, but uh, I'm currently hitting. I've, I'm keeping my stats this year. I'm currently hitting 39% of my fairways, so that's the one big area I need to improve on right now. But uh, it, it is kind of interesting when you know uh, a a 20 handicap gets to play from a two handicaps driver uh, from the white tee, especially. So they they have a blast. You know, it's, it it makes them realize how good they could be if they could hit the tee ball a little bit better. So. <laughs> yeah, I've come to realize that if I could play a 6,000-yard golf course all the time, I'd be a much better player. Yeah, I, we, we, um, we just played an event out at Olympic Hills, and it was, you know, 7,000 yards with wind and tough pins, and it was, 
it's a stretch. It makes it makes us realize how good the PGA Tour player is, truthfully. So yeah, that's something. They're, they, the the average course on tour now is seventy three hundred yards from week to week. So it's just amazing. It's true. Yeah, it truly amazing. is amazing. They're just a different uh, different animal for sure. So. Jack, you know I know I know you guys have done a, a lot of. Uh, new construction and remodeling at the resort, and uh, with all that new construction and everything, what what's the status of the Garden Golf Course? The Garden Course is seven holes, and we've called it now Garden Park. So it's it's a little we named it a little bit differently. Um, it it's made to be fun, and that's what it's for. Uh, it's obviously to grow the game of golf, but it's made for a family to go. There's, there's really, truly not a, a rule out there. You don't have to stay in, in order on the seven holes. We've, I, you know, recently last year, uh, I saw a group, a family, probably like 20 plus people, and they played a par three over and over again, and kind of hung out on that hole. And that's exactly what it's for. It's, it's, it's made to be fun. They also offer frisbee golf and soccer golf on every hole. Um, so it's, it's, it's. We didn't really know what we were, were creating. And then I saw that, and I realized we were doing something pretty neat. I've also seen some, you know, a, a family trying to learn to play golf, and the dad teaching the kids a little bit. And they'd go out to a hole and just spend the time out there, and, and chipping and putting and hitting full shots. And uh, every hole is basically 125 yards or less. Uh, so it's it, it's worked out really well. I do think it will evolve a little bit, and 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 we'll try to maybe improve it a little. Uh, maybe even add two more holes if we can get to nine kind of ran out of land so we stuck with seven right now which is truly not that big of a deal either way um but it it's it's kind of turned out to be really really neat for a lot of our families and a lot of our guests it's included in their stay as well so um there's not much pressure out there and they can enjoy golf or enjoy just being outside truthfully i love that i mean i i think any of those alternate forms of golf today are good and um short golf quick golf that that's that's great I think you know how it goes. I mean, people are, for some reason, they shouldn't be, but they're a little scared to play the pines, for example. And uh, the pressure of hitting it off the tee with someone watching you is, is, is a lot of pressure for some people. And, and Garden Park or something like Garden Park, has, you know, it, it takes that pressure away and it allows them to just try it. And then maybe when they get a little bit more confidence, they can head over here and try, you know, uh, playing nine holes or something like that, or even, uh, even the driving great. range at that point. So. Jack, before we went on, we talked a little bit about uh, craze that uh, you and Chris are certainly familiar with uh, fitting. You've got some fitting days coming up, and uh, it's just uh, something that's really taken off in the world of golf, and you've got some you want to uh, remind people about. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a fitting day coming up on May 16th. For We, we fit mostly tailor-made. This will be a tailor-made fitting event. Uh, Logan Jackson, our instructor here, is our main fitter. Uh, he does a great job. There's just been a craze right now, obviously, um, with club prices where they're at uh, obviously a driver is you know somewhere between you know 200 to 500 at this point uh, depending on what shaft and what brand you get you want to have something that fits you and, and fits your swing and I do think um, all the technology that we have now it, it, you're able to to fine-tune that shaft and that club for each person um, so it's become very important and it's uh, there's a lot of people in golf right now there's a lot of people that need to update their clubs at this point as well so uh, there has been quite a craze and, and logan has been very busy trying to accommodate all those fittings but it's uh it's been great for golf i think so yeah there's no question it, it's always interesting to me jack that 
you know, somebody would, would want to buy a new, new golf club and the amount we're investing in golf clubs today, you know, $500 for a driver, why they wouldn't be fit. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of like buying a, a, a pair of glasses and not going through an eye exam. Every wow. year I get the one or two guys that come through and literally just grab the driver off the shelf and go, I'll take it. And I just kind of <laughs> laughed to myself. But, uh, yeah, at this point, you know, the, the fitting process is, is so good with technology. And the companies realize it, and they're offering an abundance of different shafts at, a, at, a, at the same rate. So why wouldn't you get a fitting exactly? And, yeah. and I say it all the time to people. I mean, absolutely, get fitted. I mean, it's, it is expensive, but, um, you know, you feel better about it when you get fitted. And then when you get the club, you, you're so excited to hit it because you know it's tailored to you, you know. And, and so there's really no excuses at that point <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah. so. you, you really can't do that just by demoing a club. Because you know the, the 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 person you're in front of the fitter, somebody like Logan who who's a, a great teacher as well as a fitter, you know, changing the shaft, changing the loss, getting the right combinations makes makes a huge difference. Where if you just go and take a you know a tailor made sim driver off the out of the demo bag and try it, you you're it maybe it, it's a great driver, but you may not have the right specs to get a great driver in your hand. There, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I think the fitter along with the technology, um, you know, there's times where, and let's be honest, it doesn't happen often, but there's times where their old driver is better. And, and that's okay. You know, I, I think that's, that's part of the fitting process, which is great. Um, and, and Logan, I'm sure you as well, you're not in it to sell. Obviously you want to sell some clubs, but you want to get it what's best for the customer and sometimes you just don't know you think your driver's really good or you think the new stuff is not good and um you know when you when you go through this fitting process it it kind of wakes you up to the real numbers and you know you can go to the drive you can go to the driving range and hit a driver and you think you hit it really well and you really don't know you don't know your spin you don't know your angles you know you yeah. don't know how far it actually went in the air you know it's so it's i just think i think a fitter and and the technology is just it's awesome. It's really changed golf, obviously, and I think people are starting to, more people are starting to take advantage of that. I, I always tell people, I'm, I'm not selling golf clubs, I'm selling performance. And, you know, if, if we're going to put you in a, in a if, if we're going to put you in a golf club, let, let's put you in something that's going to enhance and improve your game. Well, I mean, truthfully, I, I want people to play as much golf as possible. That's my number one goal. And, and, um, having the right club and having them excited about golf and excited to go out and play and play better. I think that's, the, you know, it's a, it's a good way to drive business for sure. They want to come back and play. Jack, we talked a little bit before we went on the air. Uh, Chris uh, travels the country quite a bit to different golf courses, and you uh, traveled with uh, Tim Johnson and some pretty good sticks out west and played some golf, and it was kind of, uh, well, we were just saying it's kind of a good idea to see how other courses operate and reminds you uh, how you like the golf experience to be at your place. Yeah, we, you know, we went out and played We played a lot of different courses. I think we played five different courses. Um, you know, most of them we had a great time. A couple of them we had some interesting experiences, and it made us realize, you know, we really want the Pines and Grandview and the Preserve to be a very comfortable place for people. When they arrive, we want them to feel welcomed. We want them to feel like they belong here, and we love having them here. And the truth of it is, we all do. All of us that work here feel that way. You know, you can go right from the turf grass staff to the, the pro shop staff to the golf sales and over to the lane lodge. We want these people to be here. We want them to feel happy and comfortable being here. And I think that is a 
really large part of the experience. Yes, we want the course to be perfect and, and for them to enjoy that as well and uh, you know, and have the right amenities and the right golf carts and all that stuff. But I just think uh, the biggest thing we're going to do this year is we want people to feel welcome and we're going to make them feel that way. And hopefully they come back to see us more often for, because of that. My, my favorite, one of my favorite sayings, Jack, is you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah, it's, and, uh, uh, it's important for sure. That's actually taped. Yeah. That was taped on the mirror at my mother's house for my entire life. You don't get a second <laughs> chance to make a first impression. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And it's so true in golf. And fortunately, in the Brainerd Lakes area, we I think we make a lot of good good first impressions in our at our facilities. But we can always do better. And it definitely makes an impact on the golf experience. Yeah, I Go think ahead. Brainerd uh, Brainerd has. I mean, everyone here feels the same way. I think about that. We do welcome our customers, and you know, what's good for the area is good for all of us. And, and we do. Uh, I think we all do a good job of welcoming people. People want to get a hold of you and make some uh, tee times, put you on the calendar this year. Jack, how do they go about doing that? Best way to make tee times this year is online. We have some new software that is just fantastic. It makes us uh, look a little bit better than we are. But if you go to the website, grandviewlodge.com, there's a tee time button on there under golf. Super easy to book tee times. You can actually prepay if you want to as well to kind of, I don't know if COVID's still going or not, but it helps with that a little bit. Um, And then Calling us at 218-963-8755 is another great way to get a hold of us. Yeah, we're on our way. Jack, look forward to seeing you out there, and uh, thanks for joining us. Great to have you back. Thank you very much for having me. It's always good to be on. Jack Warrow, Director at Golf at uh, Grandview Lodge. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and a possibility to win some nice swag there if you uh, enter a chance to win there. That thanks to our sponsor, Mills Ford. We'll join Chris's interview with John Harris, one of Minnesota's great amateur players. Let's go to part one of that interview now. want to welcome to the show a good friend of mine, a, a native of Roseau, Minnesota, who played uh, golf and hockey at the University of Minnesota. One of the great amateur careers in the history of the game, winner of the 1993 U.S. Amateur, and since 2002 has played the PGA Tour champions. Uh, welcome to the show, John Harris. Well, Chris, it's my pleasure, and uh, you know what? I'm uh, uh, looking forward to a chat and talking a little about that Walker Cup at some of my uh, fondest memories. Yeah, I wanted to have you on the show this week. For We've got the Walker Cup coming up uh, this weekend uh, at Seminole in Florida. And, uh, you know, it's it's truly my my one of my favorite events in golf and probably only second to the to the Masters. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a celebration of the amateur game and it had so much romance to it. And, and it, it's been a big part of your career, John, I know. It really has, and it's it is it is pure golf. It's uh, you know twenty of the top amateurs in the world going head to head on a beautiful golf course, playing match play, which is kind of how the game was uh, originally designed to be played. And there's a, a team format uh, and an individual format, and it's uh, it's a great two days of golf and on one of the top. Uh, you know, courses in the world. So it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be fun to watch, and and uh, it's going to be great on TV. Yeah, for sure. Not you know, we we, we got our first glimpse of uh, Seminole really on TV last March with, when they played the match there. But it's such a storied golf course. But not many uh, not many people have been privileged to to see the golf course, have they? 
Well, it's very exclusive, and uh, you know, it is. Uh, it was wonderful on TV last year when they had the uh, you know the charity match there. And I, what I took away from it, even though they had had an inch or two of rain the day before the match, was that uh, it was very, very difficult, even for the pros. And and uh, they carried their own bags. The greens are very hard to read, and they birdied the easy holes as you would expect. But they were not making uh, many birdies, if any, on the hard holes. And um, the thing about Seminole is, all these kids will be able to reach the par fives, the par. Th- Threes are uh, as good a set as there are anywhere in the world, and uh, the par fours have many, many options. You can be aggressive. There's a risk-reward factor to it, but I can tell you that there will be many holes won this weekend with bogeys. Um, Once you get out of position at Seminole, making a bogey is very hard, and a double is very easy to make. No question, Jen. Let's uh, let's talk about your career in the Walker Cup. You you, you played in four matches: nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety five, ninety seven, and two thousand one Ocean Four. So there have only been a handful of guys who have played in more Walker Cups than you. And you know, t- tell us about playing in the Walker Cup and what it means to represent your country. Well, it was it was uh, as great an honor as there was, and I will tell you that. Uh, it, it was always a goal of mine, and um, I started playing uh, more competitive golf in the late 80s, 87, 88, 89, and it got a little better and a little better, and uh, uh, to make that team in 93, it was fantastic. I played with Jimmy Heron as a partner in the uh, foursomes matches, and uh, to be able to play at home, represent your country, represent the city, and to do that was absolutely fantastic. We had a great, great team, captained by Vinnie Giles, and uh, Justin Leonard was probably our best player, went on to a great pro career. Um, and luckily for me, the very next week, I won the amateur down in Houston. So um, wow. it was a two-week run that was just uh uh, a dream come true for me. But, uh, you know, the first match for me was, uh, you know, kind of the uh, culmination of a lot of uh, hard work and good luck uh, to be able to make that team. And, and it was always a goal of mine to do it once. And then to win the amateur the next week uh, kind of propelled me to uh, the 95 team. We played over in Wales and, uh, I was lucky enough there uh, for two of the days to play Alderney Chapel Woods. And, uh, you know, that was quite an experience. We got off to a great start the first day and uh, clobbered a couple of the Scottish kids. And, and uh, But we ended up, in the end, getting beat. And it was very humbling. Um, we had a nice team. We had a lot of good players. Um, but the... Uh, the difficulty in these matches, and I think that the GB&I team will find it this week, is that when you are playing out of your country um, with fans from the other side cheering loudly in the, with their weather, um, it's very hard. The, the golf course, the weather, and the fans are a great uh, advantage in these matches. And so we got beat, and we got beat pretty badly. Uh, in 95 and then came back uh, to Quaker Ridge in New York in 97 and uh, made sure that that didn't happen again where we had uh, a wonderful team and and uh, really put it to the GBNI team. Um, and then I did not make the 99 team 
had a little bit of a lull in my game and didn't make that team and uh, kind of rededicated myself and did make the 2001 team that we played at Ocean Forest. And um, it was uh, the GB&I team was very good. I went out the first day and played against Graham McDowell and Luke Donald and thought I played pretty good, but we got beat and, and uh, in an all-in-a-chat match, and I got beat in a singles match. But um, you know what? Even that team was fun. It was uh, – each team had its own personality, its own style, and uh, we were in different places. I ended up being two and two, two wins and two losses uh, from a team standpoint. And you know, it really was the uh, the highlight of my amateur career that was you know, along with winning the amateur. And I was very proud of being able to be on four teams to play for that kind of length of time. But you know, now the kids play one team and, and turn pro, and I think you'll probably see. 15 of the 20 kids um, that play in the matches this weekend will turn pro and, and uh, you know, they're ready to go. They, they've they had nice careers in, in amateur golf and they're ready to accept the challenge of trying to play professionally. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That, uh, it, I think the, the Walker Cup, as much as those who are passionate about amateur golf like you and I love the event, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit because of the amount of money in the program pro game and and kids don't they don't stick around to play the walker cup anymore and uh and it used to be you know when when you were playing there were there were a lot more mid-ams on the team as well as as these the young college players and are the are the young players just that much better today or has the has the mid-am game um you know lost some of its popularity because of the way of the world now or what do you feel well, like? I think there's a couple of things there. Certainly for the um, you know the the mid amateurs, I feel bad for them. Um, the uh, U.S. Golf Association has uh, um, not has decided not to uh, promote the mid am game, and um, by not picking the players, um, they realize that uh, going to the Western Am, the Porter Cup, uh, Santa Hanna north and south, what have you, um, it, it's not worth it because they aren't going to make the Walker Cup team anyway. And I think the, the unfortunate thing for the kids um, is they're being uh, given some uh, not very good advice right now. And uh, the formula that works, Tiger Woods went to college for three years, went for four years, and uh, Justin Leonard went four years. Um, that's the formula that now, three of the young guys last year, um, you know, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, and uh, Colin Marikawa, came out early and had wonderful, surprising success. But they're unique. They're different. Everybody thinks that they, their kid or their uh, player on their college team is, is that good and that they're going to go right to the tour. And um, unfortunately, that's not the case. There are a lot of good players now. There are no more good players today than there were in the last generation or the generation before. Um, at the top, there are 10 elite players. There always have been in every generation. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it is a very, very hard road when you leave college early. No they aren't ready. They aren't mature enough. And their games aren't quite ready to uh, play the PGA Tour. But uh, anyway, it's... Um, 
the Walker Cup has kind of been a is now a one and done. And uh, when the kids make the team at 18 or 19, you don't see very many of them sticking around for the next one. And it's a choice that they make. Uh, everything is such a uh, uh, you know immediate gratification world that we're in right now. That uh, you know the the process, the learning, the maturing, the uh, the steps to pro golf. Uh, it gets harder and harder, and I think these kids want it to come faster and faster, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, do you think that's because of the amount of money in the game, John? Is it, it's just so well, attractive. You know, I think it is, but the kids are better younger, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they get great instruction, they've got great equipment, and uh, you know what? Uh, the young guy Sam Burns that won yesterday, 24 years old, has uh, been playing at a high level for a long time. His parents made tremendous for him to be able to play golf, and and uh, it was the choice that they made as a family, and it's worked out, and it's worked out beautifully. But uh, um, you know what? For every Sam Burns, there are a thousand kids that try that uh, that are not successful, and you know what? It's a lonely, hard life that they live, and uh, if they don't have success in the first five years, it becomes almost impossible to make it in professional golf. But, uh, you know, I think that these kids are programmed at 14, 15 years old. They're traveling around the country and they're playing and they've got coaches and they've got psychologists and they've got uh, nutritionists. And, you know, um, I question whether the fun is in the game and are they playing for the right reasons and mm-hmm. and um, can they really go out and, and uh, just enjoy the game and, and be a kid. Um, that's what I hope. That's where the fun is and, and – Clearly, that's where a generation or two ago, um, most of them had fun playing golf. And uh, I don't see many smiles. I don't see many uh, uh, of the young kids um, acting like kids. or they're, they're trying to act like professionals when they're 15 years old. And you know what? I'm not sure that's uh, the route that, that has been successful in the past. No, you know, it... it uh, I'm around so many kids and teach so many kids and it's really a passion of mine, but it, it, you know, compared to when you and I were growing up playing the game, I just don't see many kids coming to the golf course and, and spending the day and, you know, hitting balls and then go playing and having a Coke and then coming out and chipping and pitching and putting and, and doing all the things we did. It, it's, uh, it, it's bothersome and perplexing to me that uh, it, there's this drive to there's always the drive to get to the next level. It's not necessarily about just enjoying the game for the joy of it. Um, and I, I'm not sure how we get that back into uh, kids' mindsets. Well, and I think you see it in most of the sports, whether it's hockey or basketball, football, baseball, is that everything is programmed right now. And uh, mm-hmm. you know what? If a kid were to go out and play with two clubs or three clubs and play 18 holes, and uh, you know what? One day you play with your odd-numbered irons, and the next day with your even-numbered irons, and one day you play all fades, and the next day you play all draws, and uh, you know what? You play uh, from 120 yards in, you've got to play with an eight iron all the way into the hole. I mean, I don't know what the games are, but those are the games we used to play. We used to play in the yard. And, um, you know, what? it was fun. And I can tell you when I was growing up, one of the uh, saddest moments I had after being at the golf course all day was seeing my mom drive up to the 
to the uh, clubhouse because I knew it was time to go home and I didn't want to leave. But, uh, you know, they needed to be unsupervised and unchaperoned and four kids out having a chipping contest or gambling or doing something like that that uh, um, is for them and not uh, not for the parents and not for a coach or, or a score or something like that. Um, the time just seems to pass when you're having a good time. Interesting comments from John Harris, one of uh, Minnesota's best amateur players, certainly one of the United States' best amateur players and one of the best players ever to come from the state of Minnesota. John Harris, four-time Walker Cupper and a 1993 U.S. amateur champ. We'll be back next week with part two of our interview with John Harris on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also, uh, invite you to look for our Facebook page, Lakes, Woods, and Irons on Facebook. You can uh, check that out. Like the page if you would, and you'll have a chance at some golf swag from uh, Second Swing Golf. So good opportunity for you there. I want to thank our guest, Jack Warrow, Director of Golf at uh, Grandview Lodge, and John Harris, one of the great, uh, really, amateur players ever in the United States, let alone Minnesota, Chris. Yeah, yeah he's... He's one of the great players of all time when you when you think about amateur golf and you know he's in that that short list of players when you think about the guys like Bobby Jones and Jay Siegel and you know the the great amateurs of the world. We talked with Jack a little bit about uh, the drivers and fitting and that kind of thing, but uh, uh, it always comes back. Good scoring always comes back to the putting green. We mentioned uh, Keegan Bradley a little bit in the opening segment about how his. Uh, Putter kind of left him on Sunday and part of Saturday, and uh, the tournament was certainly within his grasp except for his putter. So uh, Brad Faxon, an article, Chris, one of the better golfers of all time, better better putters of all time. Better putters for sure, yes. yeah. He was an eight-time winner on tour, and he's put out a list of his ten greatest putters, and then we can talk a little of uh, with uh, you about putting after, but... Uh, no surprise that on the list, uh, some of the guys, certainly no surprise. You've heard about them over the years. Tiger Woods with the quote, made every putt he had to. That's pretty much what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> ben Crenshaw, long thought of as maybe the best putter on tour for many years. Mm-hmm. Seve, Mr. Clutch, says here he looked second best to, to Ben. So, yes, And they say Ben looked best over a putt. Tom Watson, I, I I guess I wouldn't have guessed that. Who can forget 82 at Pebble is his comment. Bobby Locke, that goes back a little ways. Love to hook him in. Yeah, a little later in the list, he has Billy Casper, who says a lot like Locke. Casper used to be the one that, when I was growing up, he was always the guy who would get the ball into the cup on the last quarter roll, it seemed like, almost every time he putted. And yeah, he was great at dying it in. Jack Nicholas at six, and uh, all Brad said was, hope this doesn't insult him. <laughs> uh, Jose Mariola Thobble's on the list. So is Bobby Jones. He has Rory at 10. Of course, he works with Rory. Rory's not at 10 right now, but uh, maybe all time. <laughs> then Langer, Thompson, say, uh, Flair, Hogan, Kite, Pavin, Stockton, Day are all on the list uh, as honorable mentions. So such a key part of the game, Chris, and something that uh, – uh, most of us don't work on enough. No, that is for sure. And, you know, as I, as I look down that list, um, you know, if, if you look at it, if you take Ben Crenshaw, Seve Ballesteros, Bobby Locke, Billy Casper, Bobby Jones, all of those players had very similar strokes. And, 
and not necessarily the strokes we see today on tour. And uh, they were much more arcing type strokes and free flowing strokes. And I, I think today on tour, we see strokes that are much tighter, much more mechanical, not as much shape to them. Um, and a, a lot of that has to do with, with, with the speed of the greens today that, you know, the, the average 25 years ago, um, the average speed of greens were like in the eight to nine range, which means that, uh, you know, that would be a very average to slow speed putting green today on tour. The average stamp is probably 12 to 13 and, and higher than that at some of the majors. So the, the, the evolution of the putting stroke has changed because of that. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that you see with all these players is, uh, not only were they good uh, short putters and, and made all their short putts, but all these players were great, great leg putters. And um, the reason why we tend to, to three putt is not necessarily short putting, but it's leg putting. It's it's not getting that first putt close enough where it puts pressure on our, our second putt. And, um, you know, especially this time of the year, if you can get to the get to the practice screen and, and work on distance control and lag putting and basically 30 feet in and in, in, I, I would spend most of my your time in lag putting working on 20 to 20 to 30 foot putts. When we had Peter Sanders on a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about that, but that's kind of that range where um, where three putting happens the most is that 20 foot foot out 20 foot plus so 20 to say 30 feet 20 to 40 feet outside that you got to expect some three putts but in that range if you, if you can increase your distance control and get it close enough to make that second putt you're uh, you're going to eliminate the three putts do you think chris the slightly more mechanical uh, the way you guys do it now um, will also maybe help with what was called the yips in the old days you saw a lot more veteran putters uh, that kind of uh, just left the game because of putting, and maybe not so much now. Well, I, I think I think we've, I think the the yips are as prevalent as they've ever been. Yeah. But I think there are a lot more workarounds today than there once were, um, and the reason you see guys with you know so many different styles of grips, so many different shapes of of putter grips, you know, bigger grips different shapes uh, uh, rather than just being around um, and, you know, different ways of, you know, whether a, a player, you know, you can't anchor anymore, but you see a lot of, you know, it, uh, when you see a guy bracing it against his left arm, yeah, um, like, like Matt Kuchar does, and there, there are more and more players doing on that tour. They're not doing that to enhance their stroke. They're doing that to eliminate the, eliminate the yip. Yeah. So I, I think there, there are a lot more workarounds than, than there once were, you know, guys have innovated to try to eliminate that. So, um, I think that's, that's one of the differences you'd, you'd see today compared to guys, you know, 25 plus years ago. Yeah. And best solution, probably practice more. <laughs> yeah, you got to practice more, and as far uh, as putting goes, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, you are uh, the the practice putting green is the is the uh, quietest area on the golf course. <laughs>
All right, Chris, thanks for taking the time again this week. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley. I'm Colin McDonald. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.